this morning with me and turning your Bibles to John chapter 6. I want you to know I was unaware of that video and they made one of me in every picture. But listen, Pastor John was kind of a floater. We, our team and Steve and Amy and uh, uh, all the workers, the youth leaders, they carried it. I just showed up at key times and I guess they took photos at those times. But thank you for the prayer that sustained me. Oh, my goodness. That was quite an event. And thank you for that false prophecy, Kelly, about me doing it every year. Uh, The Bible says you judge a prophet by his words. And if they don't come to pass, they did not speak for the Lord. So I did have my little boy tell me on the second day, though, in the cabins. And it's funny to say that because when we went, there's no air conditioners. There wasn't floors. There wasn't walls. You know, it's all this. It's like a hotel. But he said, Daddy... You know what my favorite part of camp has been? I said, what, buddy? That you're here with me. I was like, here's my wallet. Here's my keys. You, know. <laughs> you papas don't understand that feeling, do you? No, okay. All right. John chapter 6, if you're there, say amen. Uh, continuing in our thought about the things that precedes miracles. Um, John chapter 6, verse 1. And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming unto him, he said unto Philip, Where are we going to buy bread that these may eat? And he said to prove him, for he already knew what he would do. Mark that in your Bible. God already knows what he's going to do. And Philip answered him and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for these, that every one of them even have a bite. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Then there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, uh, as much as they could. When they were filled, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up all the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them after they had eaten. And then those men, when they'd seen the miracle, they said, this is of a truth that that prophet should come into the world. Very quickly before you're seated, I'm preaching on this subject because if there's ever a day uh, in our lives that we need to know that the miracle power of God is available to us, it's today. We're not trying to control it. There are no formulas in the word of God, but there are patterns God is a God of method. That's why Methodism was born. They said God has patterns and he's, he doesn't change. And so I want, I, I want to study the word of God to know about my salvation and how to live today. How is it that some people have their prayer answered and others don't? How is it that some see God's hand and others don't? And I'm not trying to manipulate him. I'm trying to honor him in his methods. 
And let him know that I see. And so that's what I want to preach to you today. Last week we talked about the Syrophoenician woman that saw the power of God break the stronghold of hell over her daughter in her approach. You remember? She came to Christ personally. She came humbly. She came vocally. She came worshipfully. And even when Christ was silent, she didn't back down. And she was there to receive from God. And she did. And I want to speak to you today on the subject of insufficiency. When you don't have enough, when there's not enough of any, you could say, rest or help or resources or health or hope, when there's not enough, there's a miracle for that. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity that's mine, uh, the least of your servants. I humble myself before you. I, I still can't believe that I get to do this, oh Lord, and share your word with people. Now, without your anointing, it's just a man talking. But if you anoint me, these words can find the deepest place in their heart and take root and bring fruitfulness. And I pray that today, that this service would bring people closer to you, bringing glory to your son. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Primarily... This story is a precursor to the idea that Jesus is the bread of life. And what he offers is sufficient for all. It points to the fact that Jesus is the creator. He's the one that spoke bread into existence. He's the one that spoke the seas into existence, the fishes into existence. So is it any far stretch for him to multiply them. He's been multiplying them since the beginning. You see? So everything that was made was made by the word of God. And, and the things that were made are kept going, the Bible says, that are sustained by the power of Christ, by his word. And so this, this miracle was testifying to Jesus, but there's something in here for us too. And the Bible says that a, a king... A, 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 a wise man will search out and find the hidden things. He'll look under the surface. We never want to take it out of context, but there's some things in this passage that I thought would be beneficial for you, especially those of you that need a miracle. I have witnessed miracles, physical, relational, financial, and I have seen the Lord step in. Uh, one day when I got time, I'll tell you the story about a young preacher that bought an eight and a half million dollar building and they had $200,000 in the bank. One day I'll just tell you about that, how that happened. Do you hear me? Eight and a half million. No capital fund drive. Just a miracle of provision. See, I have a God that can speak to things that are not as though they are and they become. <laughs> I have one that can close doors that are open and open doors that are closes. I have one that when he desires and designs, virgins give birth to saviors. See, I, 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 he shortchanges my understanding. And the Bible says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or think, which means if I've thought it and prayed it, it's greater than that. If you've already articulated the prayer, God said, oh, I can do better than that. I can do better than that. So... Here's some of the things. Uh, if you're taking notes, write this down, please. Matthew 14, Mark 6, and Luke 9. I'm not turning there. Just write it down. 
This is one of the few stories in the gospel that makes its way into all of the gospel accounts. Matthew 14, Mark 6, and Luke 9. And I'm going to be borrowing some verses from there. So when you're reading the Bible, you understand that everything that's recorded happened, but not everything that happened is recorded. One author might mention one fact that the other one left out. They don't contradict, but they have different insights and different observations. In the gospel account of Mark, the phrase is used, the disciples, when they saw the crowds coming, they said to Jesus, send them away. First point, Christ is not exclusively yours. Christ is not exclusively yours. Those that experience the miracle working power of God care as, care as much or more about other people receiving their grace, their miracle, their supply than they are their own. People are not usually as desperate for a miracle for someone else as they are for their own miracle. Somehow we think that we were worthy of his help and grace and others are less deserving. Send them away. May there never be an attitude in your mind, send them away as long as I've got what I needed. Don't bother me with your need and interrupt my life and inconvenience me. I've said it for years and I'll continue to say it. It's one thing to be, be pro-life, but you ought to be pro-option too. You tell that mama that's wondering if she's going to keep that child, said, I'll raise that baby. We can do this together. You step in and you make a difference. It's, it's not just for us. It's not just Christ for us. Let there be no sin them away in you. That grace that was available to you is available for them. The grace that you received is available for their sins as well. The resurrection that brought you back from the dead can grant them new and abundant life. The power that broke every stronghold in your life is also available to set them free. The message, testimony, prayers prayed, and the gospel that was shared with you should be available to them, given freely, continuously, and joyfully. Send them away because all of your needs are met and we don't want to be bothered. Those that see the miraculous participate in God helping other people. I want to see more miracles in your life, not just my life. I want to see God's hand. And we're not talking about pie in the sky and us living high on the hog. I mean, just knowing that if God's our source, then he's the one that sends the provision, right? That there's miraculous power there. Number two, don't forget to remember. In verse five of John six, it says, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he did not ask him this question because he didn't have a plan. He asked him to see if Philip would be a spectator or a participator in that which he was about to do. Don't you just love it when Jesus singles you out to work on you in front of everybody? All these disciples standing around, he said, Philip, how are we going to feed this crowd? If he's anything like us, I give up. How are we going to do it? He says, uh, I don't know, Lord. You know, in, in our treasury, our little bag that Judas has, the one with the hole in it, uh, we, we don't have enough to give everybody a bite of a sandwich. There's, there's not enough to be. But Jesus knew what he was going to do. But he's asking Philip, what are we going to do? Watch. 
Philip had just seen Jesus turn water into wine. And he's already in a place of, I don't know, Lord. It's I don't know, Lord, comma, not period. I don't know, Lord, but you do. Do you see the difference? Lord, I, you asked them to get 12 empty pots and fill them up with water. And, and then you just said, take them to the master ceremonies. And while they're rolling these pots up there, they turned into wine. I, I don't understand that. So God, I don't have to understand you to have hope and believe. Your blessings behind you, the things you've seen, the things you've heard, the things you've felt have prepared you for the test today. Carry them over. Don't forget to remember. Don't forget the things in your past. In Matthew 16, while teaching about the leaven of the Pharisees, Jesus said, do you not remember the loaves of the 5,000? Once he multiplied the loaves, he said, do you not remember this? So he's telling Philip, did you not remember the, the water at Cana of Galilee? Today's test are connected to yesterday's blessings. And some of us have been in kindergarten our whole Christian life because we've not disciplined ourselves to study the scriptures and to study our lives and put two and two together. We, G, Paul said it this way, we ought to be teachers by now. And we're still being taught the same elements. Put two and two together. Advance. Go to the next grade. David demonstrated this as a little boy. He said, don't forget to remember. So here's Goliath of Gath, the champion of the Philistines, uh, standing uh, commentators, differing what they think, 10 foot, 11 foot, 12 foot tall, huge man. And they had called out and said to the Israelites, you send your best guy. Instead of all of us getting in a battle, you send your best guy. And if he kills Goliath, we'll serve you. You win the whole war. And if Goliath kills your guy, you all surrender to us and you serve us. So David comes up because nobody's volunteering. And he hears Goliath mocking God. This wasn't David having secret and private ambition. He hears him mocking God and he said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine mocking the God of Israel? Is there not a cause? He goes up to Saul and says, I'll take him on. He said, you will. Yeah, well, 15-year-old boy. He said, yeah, I'll take him on. Ain't no lying. I'll take him on. What, what makes you think, watch, what makes you think you can win today? So I don't know who that's for. What makes you think you're going to win over this insurmountable giant of intimidation in front of you? Goliath has never lost a one-on-one -on -one battle, and I can prove it, because he's still there. David said, I'm glad you asked. I was out on the side of the wilderness, and no one else was around, and a lion came out of the bush and grabbed one of my father's sheep, and I took him by the whiskers on his face, and I beat him to death. One time, a bear come out of the woods. They might not want to leave David alone. You know, just he come out of the woods and went after a sheep, and I, I took him by the face and I slew him. 
And what I felt when I saw that lion and what I felt when I saw that bear, I'm feeling it now and I think I got something for this Philistine. When he remembered, I'm not belaboring the point. I want you to grasp this and turn the page. If you'll just remember yesterday's victories, if you'll just remember yesterday's provisions, yesterday's miracles, yesterday's answered prayers and carry them over, David came out to Goliath and said, hey, you come to me with a sword and a spear and I come to you in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. And he says, and not only am I going to kill you, I'm going I'm to kill the armies that follow you and feed them to the birds of the air. David wasn't real good at smack talk, but he had a wicked slingshot. He, he was... The things God does for you and in you are never about the things. They're about you. You're the eternal reality. You're the treasure. You're going to radiate his glory for all of eternity. So when he provides something, when he blesses, that's going to fade away. But the memories of that. When I first became a Christian, uh, poor <laughs> would not begin to say my, my first position I made $75 a month I did the bus ministry I did all the grounds the church grounds I, I, I'm just glad to be on the team I'm not being a martyr but I needed a desk and um, it had to be oak how many of y'all know if the wife determines colors and it has to be tiger oak I didn't know there was a tiger oak yeah it's a tiger oak and that's what it's going to be so I go to God, we need a tiger oak desk. You know, I don't know why, but they just decide, you know, all your pictures from college of you and your dog in the creek, that gets thrown away. And then we have an abstract collage of something, and you don't, we don't know those people, but they're up there, and you, you get to swap out. And so I, I asked the Lord for a desk, and I heard a preacher preach. He said, you can't make it hard for God. That doesn't mean you can be a spoiled child and dictate everything to him. But don't think if you add any particulars that he's going to go, man, that's just going to make it so hard. There aren't levels of difficulty to him. So I prayed, brand new, been saved less than a year. I said, Lord, it has to be Tiger Oak. And would you mind making it so sturdy? I just don't like junk. I can't stand it. If it don't work, throw it away. If your refrigerator don't get stuff cold, throw it away. If your dog won't come to you, get another dog. It's, it's easy. You go to somebody's house and you go to sit in a chair. Oh, don't sit in that, in the den. Don't sit in it. No, 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 sit in the other chair. Why is it in the den? I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I would never tell you that. I'm a good Pharisee. I, you know, I said, oh, why, why, why is this here? Made me forget my place. Well, oh, my desk, my desk. And so uh, I said, Lord, I want to be able to dance on it. And so I don't do garage sales. Crazy people have them and crazy people go to them. Uh, it makes me nervous. It makes me anxious. And, you know, they sell. Sometimes you can find good stuff, people say. Yeah, but most of it's junk. And, you know, you can go and find a clock with no hour hand. You know, you know, the wooden spoon and fork and the fork's missing two little pieces on it and the spoon's cracked, you know, but it's a small crack and everything's like new. No, it's not like new. If the, your clock don't have an hour hand. It's not like new. So I'm driving by a garage sale, and I just felt the whisper of the Spirit say, pull in. Pull in. 
No details. So I pull in. Nothing. Why are you going to have a garage sale? You ain't going to make a dollar and a half. There's nothing on this table. Clothes from the Civil War. You know, everything's out there. Shag carpet pulled up in a roll, like new, you know, with a ribbon on it. And I'm like, nothing, 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 nothing. And a little sign on the table that said, furniture inside, inquire within. Have you ever, and I'm asking you honestly, had a moment when all of a sudden the Spirit of God fell and you knew you were on holy ground? I'm about to change you. So I go up and I said, excuse me, where's my desk? God's honest truth. I learned early on that my part in this faith thing is being able to be vulnerable. And if I was wrong, I was wrong. But if I was right, I showed him, your credit is good with me. I'm confident that if it's not here, it's at the next place. I said, where's my desk? She, all the blood ran out of her hand. A little Methodist lady I learned later. She, whoosh, she goes, how'd you know there was a desk? And I'm just at this time crying. I asked the Lord for one. And I told him it had to be tiger oak. And it had to be heavy. So where's my desk? She goes, right this way. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Listen, I only got a handful of these in my life. And I carry them over to this day. I'm preaching about it 35 years later. So I walk in there. And there's this huge, heavy I mean, Lance, two or three Lances, a couple big boys. And, you know, when they tell you in Craigslist, bring some people to help. Like, we can't help. This was one of, I mean, this was like, I had to come back with a truck and a dolly and a forklift, you know. <laughs> so I sit at the desk, and I'm draped over it, crying, tears falling like this. <laughs> she comes back in. She goes, oh, Lord. She, she walks back out. I'm crying over it. I think it was, now back then it, it was like $250 or $300. And this was forever ago. And when she came back in, I said, how much for your desk? She knew enough to know that it was the Lord. She goes, uh, just give me $50 and you can have it. She goes, you can have this lamp too. <laughs> she, was, she was giving me all this stuff. So I get home, I get my, you know, your friends are the ones that help you move. You know that. Oh, you got your friends that'll go eat barbecue with you, but they help you move. So some boys helped me get it over to the house, and we had to turn it up on its side and work the leg in and get it in. We finally got it set up, and I said, I owe you, man. I owe you. I got you. So we got the desk in. Y'all forgive me. Right now, I'm right there in my room. I see it. And I pulled the drawer open. Weighed about 350 pounds. The, uh, not the drawer. The desk weighed <laughs> And there was a, a plaque, a little tin cutout. You know how they used to tap them into the wood? And it said, Stonewall Jackson, built like a rock. So then I lay back over the desk. <laughs> I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm crying. And in the early years of my ministry, where I, where I hand wrote my first sermons on a legal pad, I did it on that desk. Did you keep the desk? Mm-mm. It didn't fit the new colors we went to, you know. Oh, you should have kept that. No, 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 no. This is what I want you to learn. When it happens in your heart, you don't have to have the desk no more. Uh, no. Oh, no, it's precious. No, it's a piece of wood. What's precious is that voice follows me. That power sustains me. And I walk with them and talk with them. I don't need to hoard his blessings 
because he can just make another desk if I need one. And I didn't want to move it because my back was hurt. <laughs> so that thing that you're worried about, he already knows what he's going to do. That thing you're scheming and manipulating, he already knows what he's going to do. That thing you're trying to get him on board concerning, he already knows what he's going to do. The thing you can't see, the thing you can't comprehend or believe for has already been decided because, come on, he already knows what he's going to do. That thing that is beyond you, greater than you, intimidating and mocking you, he already has something for that. And God is not reactive, but proactive. Don't forget to remember. One of the greatest weapons in the arsenal of the believer is your memory. The God who saved me will keep me. The God who keeps me will provide for me. The God who provides will preserve me. And the God who invited me to prayer promises to answer. So when the devil hits you as hard or squeezes you, what comes out ought to be, I remember the goodness of the Lord. Faithful, faithful. You ain't talking me out of my hope. I've seen deaf people's ears open. I've seen it with my eyes. I've seen wombs open. I've seen marriages heal. I've seen my friends. One of my buddies is here today. I watched him come out of darkness into God's marvelous light and be changed for the glory. I've seen it. You're talking to the wrong guy. And the only way the devil can trip me up is if I forget what I've seen. Philip, how are we going to feed them? I don't know, Lord. <laughs> how are we going to do it? You see, I, I don't want to just spectate. I want to participate. And Philip got to hand out the bread and the fish. He said, watch this. Watch this right here. You give a fish away. You tell me how it happened. Do you really believe that? Yes. Yes. Number three. What do you have? I hope you're taking notes on this because you're going to need it for some of us. What do you have? In another one, in Mark chapter 6 of this story, Jesus asked the question. What do you have to eat? What is there here? Go and see. Listen, he said, go find out what we have. Now, I know these are church people. 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and only one person brought five loaves of bread and two fish. The biggest family come in, 16 kids, and we brought a pizza. That won't feed your husband. Why do you bring one pizza? <laughs> that don't mean don't stay afterwards today if you ain't got food. I'm not talking about that. But Jesus said, what do you have? Go find out. And this is going to be convicting for some of you. You don't take inventory. You just jump ahead till we don't have enough. Why does he want me to take inventory? To show me how inadequate I am? No. So you won't forget to be thankful for what you already have. We have five loaves and two fishes. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. Take inventory of what you have. We, you, you'll hear people say, we don't have nothing. And God just shakes his head. God don't ever do anything for us. Take inventory of what you have. A thorough inventory. Those of us with white hair, you remember the song, count your blessings, name them. Oh, count your many blessings, see what 
You know why we don't count new blessings anymore? Because there's so many we would never get to leave the house. Take an inventory. What do you have? Who do you have? What have you had? An honest inventory. Adding nothing. And leaving nothing off. No exaggeration. When you're in a place of insufficiency, show the Lord everything you have. Listen. Take an accurate, honest, current inventory. Not what you had last week or last year or two years ago. Tell This is what I have. What's the beauty of this? This is what I have. Five loaves and two fishes. This is what I have today. It's not three loaves and one fish. It's not ten loaves and six fish. I have five loaves and two fishes. And I put everything I have in your hands. That precedes the miracle. I don't increase the odds of you helping me when I have 20 loaves and 20 fishes. Stop crunching numbers. Take an inventory, an honest inventory, and put everything that you have in the hands of God. Don't be ashamed of how much you need him. When we ask the Lord for a family, I'm a man with no seed. I was either going to be embarrassed about that or tell everybody. So I decided to tell everybody so that you could be a public witness to the glory of God when my home bursted with children. You see what I'm saying? What do you have, John? This is embarrassing. How much seed do you have, John? None. Well, John, did you know when a man gives a sample to be tested, he could have several hundred thousand sperm in one sample? Mm -hmm. John, how many do you have? None. What are we going to do, John? I don't know, Lord. What are we going to do? And my babies found us. My boy found me. And God spoke to my unashamedness. I said, Lord, I ain't got no, no plan. Well, John, are you going to pursue? I'm not pursuing nothing. You, 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 you can make me have a family. Yes. God, you, I trust you. Is everything that you have in God's hands, and are, you, are you ashamed of your lack? That pride could be the thing that hinders you. I'm, I make myself of no reputation so that he can have a great reputation in my life. Put it in the hands of Jesus. And once you put it there, do you know some of y'all brag about, I gave it to the Lord, but I took it back. And then you laugh about that. Think, think of the irony of that. I put it in his hands, but you know, I needed to get in control of that thing. Oh girl, I know because you're way more faithful and way more powerful and sane and everything. Yeah, that's good. Put it in the hands of Jesus and close your mouth. I, I pray shorter today than I've ever prayed. We used to tell the Lord how to do it. Now, Lord, if you don't do it by Tuesday, just forget the whole deal. You go into all these, what you need to do, and I pray for this, and I bind this devil. Well, how did he get out? If you bound him, what would you bind him with? And we're just doing all this stuff. And 
I'm being as honest with you. I'm telling you not secrets, but I've learned this. I just go before him and said, I ain't got nothing. I need your help. And I ain't going to tell you how to do it. So it's all, it's, that's everything. That's all in your hands. And I'm going to leave that with you, okay? Because I trust you. And I'm going to walk away in perfect confidence that you are my God. And people go, you're supposed to do all you can do. If he tells me to do all I can do, I will. God God ain't ashamed to work. He'll put me to work. But he don't need me and my plastic tool belt to build a barn. With my fake drill. Number four, we're almost done. Oh, I'm... How many of you just ready for me to come in and get that last toe on the inside of your foot and just squeeze right where the pain is? Are you ready? Write it down. Number four. Sit down. Sit down. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. So they divided them up in group of 50. Now, except for promise keepers, if you got 5,000 men, they're not gathering with a bunch of guys. Ain't no food. There's girls there. Most of the girls probably brought the guys, and the kids are there because babysitting is so high now. You can't find nobody. You know, so there's probably 12, 13, 14,000 people there. Make them sit down in groups of 50. I, immediately I go, hmm. You ever try to get people to do something? And those of you that are leaders and have your own business and people go, oh, it must be nice owning your own business. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a joy. <laughs> go ahead and start you one. Now there's no line. Now serving number one. You're like, hey, hey, it's like herding cats. It's like herding cats at night in the rain with a dog whistle. That's what it's like. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, sit down, sit down, sit down. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 21, 22, 23, 24. No, you and your uncle go over there. 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44. You could count as two, but I'm not. 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Did anybody else go ahead with me in the story and go, we're going to be here a while? That's where you stumble. Jesus is taking too long, so you're going to do it your way. Isn't that strong? Why is there a magic thing about putting them in groups of 50? Is there something magical about it? No, he said, I'm going to do it my way. And I'm not going to honor your chaos with a miracle. Now, when we're in a storm, we didn't create that chaos. But what was going on in this field was just natural people being people, chaos. And he said, sit down. And the miracle came after they did what he said. Sit down. Stop letting the odds intimidate you. Sit down. Pacing does not expedite the miracle. Can you imagine Moses at the Red Sea? Oh, I don't know how you're going to do this. Oh, I don't know how you... Do you think God would have opened it, the sea? No, because that would teach Moses that that posture helped bring the miracle. He said, what did he tell Moses? You tell me. Stand still. Stop it. And see the salvation of the Lord. Most of the miracles that I've witnessed in my life happened after I sat down. And said, if it's going to be done, Lord, you're going to do it. 
God is not going to honor this chaos, anxiety, and confusion. Sit down and let other people see your trust. Start a trend. Sit down. Jesus doesn't need your help. Sit down. God is, God's power is not found in what you bring to the table, but when your feet are under his table. Sit down. Your peace sets the table for that which is to come. Tell your neighbor. I want you to turn to somebody. Neighbor. Oh, come on. Three of you did that. Tell them. Say, neighbor. Sit down. You're making me nervous. Sit down. It's like grandma at uh, uh, cooking Thanksgiving and she's going to wait till everybody comes and there's always that crazy relative out back or taking a smoke or walking the dog and you're like, dear Lord, the missionaries have ate by now. Somebody go get them. I'm, we're not eating till everybody. I give you these silly illustrations because they'll tag in your brain. And some of you are going to remember that little story and said, God's not serving till we sit down at peace, at rest. If our musician would come, please. I know when I'm there at Thanksgiving and I'm hungry, I've been dreaming about this meal. It was supposed to be served at one and it's 310 and we haven't eaten yet. And the uncle's out in the thing. I have to remember I'm a Christian and I just, I want to stick my head out the window and go, we're about to die in here. <laughs> Sit down, come to the table. And then don't make some long-winded preacher pray. By that time, I'm like, Lord, you know we're grateful. Amen. That's it. Let's go. <laughs> Sit down. Can't you be grateful after the meal? Just, you can. Depends on how hungry you are. And Jesus took the loaves. I love this part of the story. So all those things are under the surface. He's teaching. He's maneuvering. He's showing them he's the creator. He says, take the inventory. How many we got? Five loaves and two fish. Is that it? That's it, Lord. Does everything that you have, is it in my hands? Yeah. He goes. The Bible said he gave thanks for it. Everything hinges on this. In front of all these people, he gave thanks, genuine thanks, vocal thanks for that which was not enough. Did you hear me? I thank you, Lord, for that which you've provided today. You know what he didn't say? That which is not enough. Because Jesus knew that the Father already knew that that was insufficient. Stop telling God what you don't have. And thank him for what you do. I'm telling you. It precedes the miraculous. I'm telling you. God. You don't even owe me five loaves and two fish. You don't owe me a better car. You don't even owe me a car. If I deserved hell. How could I deserve better? This ain't a matter of deserving. I'm just appealing to you because you're my father. You do what you want to do. But it's just what I got. And I'm grateful Lord. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my family, for my health. I'm great. God, I'm grateful for this job. Everybody I work with is crazy, but I'm grateful, Lord. Don't, God loves honesty. They are crazy, Lord. Every one of them is. You know. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And Jesus took the bread. I don't know if he broke it off and it grew back. Or if he, how do you break off a fish? 
the story of my life is trying to explain to you just like I'm trying to explain this miracle and it all boils down. I don't know how he did it. He just healed my life and gave me a wife and baby. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I ate till I was full. <laughs> and there was residue left over. And God says, John, save all your scraps because I want you to talk about this the next couple of days and make sure it gets in your soul. So when the fish are gone, the faith remains. You see? With no hyper fanfare, and it won't take but a moment. If you're in a place where you are absolutely insufficient, and there's no way. One boy's lunch doesn't feed 5,000 men, doesn't feed 12,000 people. But something stirred in my heart today, Lord, for the preached in your preached word. And I'm coming to you I, I, publicly. I'm going to put everything I have in your hands, and I'm going to be grateful. And I'm going to sit down and watch what you do. If that's you, I want you to just come stand around this front. We're going to pray together. Oh, you better believe him. You better believe the Lord. You better believe his word. Wanda, can he do it? Can he do it? Ben, you've seen him do it. <laughs> you've seen him. You've seen him do it. Do y'all feel this? I know we don't go by feeling, but do you feel this? God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask or think. Now, quickly, those that you've seen God, you've seen his hand, come stand behind him, and we're going to offer this prayer to the Lord. Come on, come, come gather around him. A lady with each lady. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Guy with each guy. I believe, Lord. I believe, God. Make your way to them. Come on. We're not going to work the Lord this morning. We're not going to hype him. Just tell him. I, I, I'm done. I sit, I, I'm sitting down. Here's everything I have. And I thank you for it. There's everything I got, Lord. Everything I have is in your hands. Show your glory, Lord. Show your glory, Lord. Put the desk in my den, Lord. Show me. Show them. And they don't believe, but I believe, Lord. Show them, Lord. Flex in my life, God. Lord, I'm praying with my brother for years now that you open his eyes, God. I'm praying. I just pray. I thank you for their stance all these years standing before you. We can't, we can't do anything, but you can, Lord. And I'm asking you for it in the name of your son, God. Glory. Would you cue that song for me, Chris? Go ahead. Church family, would you stand with us?
before Scott dismisses us in prayer. If you'll give me just 30 seconds. Thank you, Chris. If you play. When we got ready to start this church, February of 1995, I borrowed $36,000. Bought 100 chairs and a little portable little Samson thing right here. I was the sound tech. I was the maid. I would have done nursery, but I was preaching. And then we had $5,000 that the dad had given us as a wedding present in our home, our first home. And we signed our name to $56,000 total. So I was either going to lose the church 11 times over, I lose my home 11 times over, or the church was going to work. And I thought of Scott and his wife this week, you know, get ready to start. And they got a group of people and stuff, but can you imagine starting a church in this day and age, in this culture? John, how'd you do it? Would you teach a class? I don't know how I did it. Oh, I do remember one thing. I took everything out of my house. I took everything. I said, okay, you got, you got all of it. That's literally, okay. Whew, now I don't have to worry about it. And 30 years later and 13 churches, I'm still the little boy with the plastic tools. And I've seen his glory. 
I've seen his glory. <laughs> Scott, we are so happy to walk this journey with you. And guys, even if it's for a minute, this is, we just want you to be exposed to what they're doing. If you make enough connection, you could feel anywhere from, I'm going to give you three months or six months. Or you might just be, I need to go there this Sunday. Wake up and help. I want us to knit our soul. Just connect together. It might be, hey, if you ever need a backup. And you're in the sanctuary here and they call you and you shoot over there to help with nursery. We're going to be in this with you, man. And I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. Are you going to be able to pray today without crying through this? <laughs> I thought of you. I didn't write this for you, but I thought you're going to see his hand. You have seen it, but I just can't wait. Scott, bless us, would you? Lord, before I say anything else. Let the words that are always in my heart be thank you. God, as I try to take inventory of what I don't have to do what you've called me to do, I'm thankful for the word today that reminds me that I don't have to count what I don't have because you have everything. And all I have to do is remember what I do have and what you've already given me and the prayers you've already answered and the dreams you've already made come true and provision that you've already came through with and you made a, a baby grow where a doctor said a baby wouldn't grow. You can start a church where the world says a church don't belong. Father, we love you and we thank you for this word today. Let us leave here with it sealed in our heart that we might not forget what we heard today, what you spoke to us, but it would also spark remembrance for our entire lives with you and all the things that we chalked up to karma or coincidence or circumstance or just plain luck, that we would call it what it is. And it is your hand of blessing and provision in our life that has kept us and sustained us all the way till today and will continue to do so until you call us home. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you are doing, what you've already done, and for the things that we're, you're gonna do. I don't know the answers, but I know the one who does. And that is true for everyone in this room. God, we love you and we thank you. And in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. All right, guys, those that can stay, give us 30 minutes up there. You'll have eaten and be home. You'll, you'll, you'll gain an hour. And it's free. Did I tell you it was free? Lunch is free. All right, God bless.